Launching in 2015 by the Writing and Literacies Communication Team, Writing and Literacies On Air is a three-part podcast series providing an added medium to highlight scholarship, discuss contemporary issues, and engage in conversation with other SIG members and the greater Writing and Literacies community. Throughout the year, we will release podcasts in hopes to build anticipation and momentum leading up to the annual conference. Thanks in advance to Dr. Matthew Hall, Assistant Professor in Special Education, Language, and Literacy at the College of New Jersey, whose piece you heard opening our first podcast. So today on Writing and Literacies on Air, we have the distinct pleasure and honor to speak with some of the SIG's founding members, Dr. Glinda Hall, the Elizabeth H. and Eugene A. Shirtlift Chair in Undergraduate Education at UC Berkeley, and Dr. Sarah W. Friedman, Professor of the Graduate School at UC Berkeley. Joining them is Dr. Anna Smith, IES Postdoctoral Fellow in Writing and New Learning Ecologies at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, and current Communications Chair of the Special Interest Group. I'm John Wargo, currently a doctoral candidate in teacher education here at Michigan State University. Entitled, Why Writing? A Historical Perspective and Conversation, Charting the SIG's Emerging Presence at AERA, this podcast surveys the emergence of the Writing and Literacy Special Interest Group and asks the question, why writing, and why now? As a larger collective, we hope to engage in fruitful dialogue concerning the what's next question for the SIG as the AERA annual meeting reaches its centennial. We're first going to begin by asking our visiting scholars to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about the Writing and Literacy Special Interest Group's origin story. Dr. Friedman, would you like to go first? Sure. Thank you, John. Um, I have been doing writing research since the 1970s when I did my dissertation on how young people, uh, how teachers respond to young people's writing. And at that time, there was no SIG, and there was not much of a field of writing research. Most of the focus in the area of literacy was on reading. And in, in my memory, the writing SIG at AERA got started in, I'm not sure of the exact date, but it was either the late 70s or early 80s. And it was started because there was no writing presence at AERA. If you looked at the program uh, from those years, you know, in the 70s, um, in the index, there was nothing for writing. Um, there was stuff for reading, but not much for writing. And so there was an interest in, um, as there was a growing interest in writing research at that time, there was an interest in bringing writing research into AERA, which is the mainstream organization for educational research in the nation. Um, the early meetings for writing research were part of NCPE, the National Council of Teachers of English, and particularly the Organization of College Composition and Communication. And most of the research was based in English departments as opposed to schools of education, and most of it had focused on college composition. So this idea of bringing uh, writing into AERA was a big part of the impetus, as I recall, for having a writing special interest group. Thank you. Um, Dr. Cole, would you like to introduce yourself and, and some of your memories of the origins? Sure. Um, I became involved in um, the writing SIG very, very early in my career. 
um, my dissertation, like Sarah's, had to do with writing. I was studying the editing process in writing, and I was looking for um, professional venues um, to discuss this um, really important topic that seemed to be emerging. Um, at the time, um, writing, as Sarah said, was so new on the scene in terms of educational research that we had the sense of being involved in a kind of great new project, a kind of new frontier almost. Um, and there was, a, I think, a palpable excitement about studying a phenomenon that hadn't been so closely looked at before. Um, so it was pretty thrilling to um, be engaged early on with a group of people who were founding uh, a space for talking about writing at AERA. Um, I became involved um, just after, pretty soon after finishing my dissertation, which I did in uh, the early 80s. And the writing SIG became a place for me as a very young professional at the time um, to take part in a national conversation and to help to shape it. And I think that the writing SIG has served that purpose over time for uh, generation upon generation of writing scholars. It's the go-to place for um, thinking about um, research on written language and increasingly many forms of, of um, semiotic creativity. Um, and but in the early days, um, I can still remember um, the, early, the the first meetings um, of the writing sig and the business meetings and the coming together of uh, people really from a range of, of disciplines. As Sarah said, um, a lot of the early work uh, began in in um, English departments, and but soon spread to scholars in education. And I remember this coming together and a great deal of excitement about um, what for us seemed to be um, a new field of study. That's, I, I, I really like hearing um, that idea of the intersections. This last year in 2015, um, we really saw intersections of language and, and literacy and writing um, coming together in the, um, the presentations we had this year, the what were they called? <laughs> the, um, the flash presentations, which, which both participated in. That was wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I see that. So the the SIG has um, continued to keep that that idea of the intersection among um, different disciplines, um, and what what can be fruitful from that. Um, how have you seen the SIG evolve over the years? And it it came to include and literacies um, in 2001. Um, Dr. Hull, is that? Do you remember um, when that came to be, and and why that? Do you think that that might be significant? I, I do have um, a memory of the change in um, the term, and I remember, I remember particularly that we had conversations about the importance of keeping writing as the first word in in the name of our SIG. Um, so there was concern that that the SIG still be identified um, first by writing, uh, but there was a a, um, a growing understanding at the time that we wanted to be able to incorporate the scholarship that uh, had been emerging over the, the past good many years under the banner of literacy studies. 
And of course, this included work in the new literacy studies. It included um, the work that came out of the, the New London group and the notion of multiliteracies. So uh, all of a sudden, um, the term literacies became an umbrella um, for a particular approach to thinking about uh, writing and reading and talking. Uh, and it was, a, at the time, a more inclusive term. And we saw um, a lot of the research that was that had traditionally come under the banner of writing falling under this banner of literacies. So to reflect, I think, the tenor of the times and the shifts in the field, um, we wanted to signal in the title of the SIG that um, we were a part of this growing phenomenon of, of understanding um, literacy, uh, writing as, as a part of this broader phenomenon of literacies. I think that... that um, um, claiming an identity for the for the notion of writing has been at the at the center of the field of writing, and if you look back, you can see um, that claim for identity changing over time, and the writing sig has been sensitive to that and has reflected that and also helped to shape it, for example by um, incorporating the term literacies. Early on, um, when um, the field of writing was, uh, as research was just getting started, there was, an, there was a need to um, think of writing as something broader than focusing just on grammar or on sentence level activities, because that's what it had been reduced to for a long time um, when we thought about teaching writing. So the whole writing process movement that acknowledged the the complexity of the mental processes that go into um, producing a piece of writing was part of broadening what counts as as writing. And then after that, um, the the sociocultural movement in writing that tried to broaden a cognitive perspective on writing um, also uh, played a role in the definitional enterprise. And so the notion of, of writing as as a literacy or as a part of meaning this umbrella term literacies um, uh, also took its place in this definitional history of terms that reflected um, the research and, and emergent understandings that were happening at the time. I, I just wanted to say that um, everything Linda said is absolutely right on. And um, there also was another dimension that I wanted to mention, and, and that was that, you know, in establishing writing as something worthy of being studied, we were always kind of put up against reading because reading research was a well-established, a much more well-established area within the field of education and educational research. So there was also a little bit of nervousness about the term and literacies um, that that I recall going along, or part of the debates over whether or not to add and literacies had, had to do with being sure that writing was something that was cared about because reading always kind of was back there trying to overtake writing and, or it felt that way in a sense because reading was so well established. Um, and uh, around that time, I was the director of the National Center for the Study of Writing, um, which, and that was the name from 1985 to 1990. And in 1990, um, when the call for proposals came out from 90 to 90 to 95, 
um, they changed the name to Writing and the National Center for the Study of Writing and Literacies. So in some ways, the SIG was following along with this trend, but it was a, a trend that was associated with a little bit of nervousness because because of the power of reading and the and the always association of first association uh, with the term literacy uh, with reading. So as leaders in the field, again, we're quite honored to, to be speaking with you today and, and the, you know, sort of evolution of the special interest group. I'm wondering if, um, Dr. Friedman, you can sort of describe your current research work a bit and its roots and connections with the writing and literacies community more broadly. Currently, I'm just completing a project that was funded by the Spencer Foundation as part of their new civics initiative. And it's a study of how young people develop as civic actors when they live in divided societies. So the, the AERA conference theme about democracies and public scholarship is kind of at the center of this new work. And although it's not a writing study per se, um, writing always enters into um, young people's development when they are uh, uh, working in school to become and think about how to become the best citizens that they can become. Um, this study is uh, an international comparative study, and I'm interested in globalization. And so um, the the uh, people, the kids that we're studying are from ninth to twelfth grade, and they are in South Africa, Northern Ireland, and the United States. And so we're interested in how, on different sides of the divides, of the societal divides, um, young people think about civic action and citizenship in different kinds of ways and how that varies depending on the politics uh, of the countries in, in which they grow up and how the divides have played out historically. So that's my, that's my current, uh, current focus. That's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm wondering, um, as a as a follow up to that too, if there's any emerging findings that you're that you're. How far into the research um, are you at this point? Um, well, we've got all the data, and we're um, we're well into the analysis. And one of the main findings is that um, how kids relate to the divisions in their societies um, depends a lot on the legacies of division, and so. Um, young people on both sides of the divide feel most efficacious in South Africa. Um, and they understand democracy better and they understand the kinds of institutions that are the kinds of um, actions that pose threats to democracy and they're interested in engaging civically in order to preserve their new fledgling democracy. They're a lot closer to kind of the building of a new democracy in South Africa, and so they're more aware um, than in the other two countries. Um, the least aware students are in Northern Ireland where um, the, the society is uh, much more segregated, actually, um, by religion or uh, nationalist uh, political leanings, and young people are... Um, they they don't have experience with people on the other side of the divide and and there's a lot of silence within the culture and so it's very hard for them to develop understandings of the other 
and um, then in the United States, the, the divisions that we have are older, and a democracy is older, and um, especially the white middle class takes for granted democratic institutions and often doesn't recognize when when there are threats to democracy. Um, and people who live on different sides of the divides in the U.S. Um, have have very different experiences with democratic institutions. So that's that's some of what we're finding. Um, Dr. Hull, um, what does your work current research look like, and and what are its roots within writing and literacies? Well, in thinking about this question, as Sarah was speaking, I realized that I seem not to want to end any of my research projects. So when I think of my current work, I realize that my projects have gone back, most of them, a number of years. And the other thing that I realize is that writing has threaded through almost all of them um, in one way or another. So I'll talk just about a couple of projects that are continuing and um, but had their roots earlier, and then one project that's pretty new. So about 15 years ago, um, really um, growing out of, of my interest in writing over the years, I began to, to think a lot about new forms of writing, um, as are many, many people in our field today. Um, but I, what I was interested in at, at the time was how um, we could give kids access to tools for writing that would open up composition for them. And at the time, those tools were rudimentary digital storytelling tools that allowed kids to um, create narratives that they um, uh, illustrated uh, with images and uh, created background music for and added their voices to. And all of this work was done um, in out-of-school settings um, at that time because um, the concern was that um, school didn't have space for these kinds of creative digital practices around literacy. So all of this work really um, grew for me um, out of thinking about composing broadly conceived and how to open up composing to uh, larger numbers of kids and how to have more people seated at the table of, of new technologies and the exploitation of new technologies and getting their voices um, out in the world. And that work has uh, continued um, to this day for me in the form of after-school programs that are actually operated in conjunction with schools. And the research end of this design-based research has been to understand what it means to have a whole repertoire of semiotic tools that you can use for expressing yourself and communicating with others and, and, and creating knowledge. Um, it's also meant looking at or imagining the kinds of spaces um, in school and out of school in which writing can flourish. So that's one line of research that um, I really love doing um, over the years. A second line that I'm still doing that I started about seven, eight, nine years ago that still continues is um, research that looks at um, social networking and how uh, kids communicate, um, uh, particularly globally, uh, in the context of 
these kinds of digital tools. Um, so, uh, and as you very well know, since you were part of this project early on, mm-hmm. my research team created um, a private social network to link kids around the world that we called Space to Create. And we were really interested in in um, seeing how kids could come to understandings of each other within that space. And again, writing uh, was central to this enterprise because we we conceptualize the the activities that happen in the the social networking space as kinds of composing. So we look to see the kinds of writing that kids did in communicating with each other via blogs and digital stories um, and chats um, and so on. And um, we look to see how easy that was for kids in New York City to to communicate with kids in India and how difficult it was to um, really achieve understandings of each other's situations across these these um, gaps in um, language and ideology and culture. So um, that work has continued um, to this day as well and includes um, not only international groups but local groups of kids and undergraduates at UC Berkeley. We began to think, well, let's see if we can exploit uh, social networks and um, social media tools in mentoring and tutoring situations. So some of our undergraduates at UC Berkeley who work with kids in local communities now do so um, online via our space to create tools as well as in person. And we're currently comparing those those experiences for undergraduates and and uh, kids from our local communities. And then the, the third project that um, that I'll mention um, is the newest one, um, which is really at its very beginning phases um, in terms of its implementation, is a project to think about what education could be, should be, might be um, in a global world. And the impetus for this has been the opportunity to design um, some schools, some K-12 schools that would take as its its uh, take as their their mission um, preparing kids to participate in this changing, challenging world um, that we live in now and that we can imagine. So this project has been to look around and see um, what kinds of innovative schools uh, currently exist and to push ourselves to think about um, what a globally oriented um, school could be. And, and um, that project is, um, is really uh, just beginning, but it's, but it's also, in my mind, tied to um, notions of writing. Um, one of the things that we want to do is to um, put the power to compose um, and all the tools that we now have for composing right at the center of students' experiences uh, in these schools. So hopefully as the project progresses, um, we'll be able to take um, some of the, the research that the great research that's been done over the years and reported in the SIG and discuss there, hopefully we'll be able to use that as the centerpiece for imagining um, new schools that um, have at their heart um, generative notions of, of writing. Thank you. 
2016 is going to mark AERA centennial year, and it sounds um, like both of your uh, research trajectories have really been resonant with this year's theme, which is public scholarship to educate diverse democracies. And um, that theme is intended to link the democratic ideals of the founding of the association with the future of educational research. So Dr. Friedman, I'm wondering how, just some ways that you see that we as SIG members might illuminate the idea, and this is a quote from the call for this year, that research can strengthen public education society's most democratic institution. I think the SIG has a huge role to play. And in fact, I think that writing and the writing SIG has been playing this role for a number of years. Um, you know, almost since the beginnings of writing research, there were uh, kind of democratic concerns underneath it all. So if you think back, Minus Jonathan in 1977 wrote Errors and Expectations. And that book was about the democratic, the move to kind of democratize college uh, entrance and, and college education for our country citizens who had never had that kind of access. So there was an open admissions policy in New York City, uh, in the New York City colleges. And suddenly they had all these writers who were really different from the ones they were used to in a college environment. And so she led a movement really to figure out how to understand um, the needs of, of what became called basic writers. And um, all of that came from very strong impulses starting in the 1960s to democratize education in ways that it hadn't been done before. And I think we're still engaged on in that same project of <clears throat> democratization of education. And over the years, I think writing has really played a huge role in trying to push forward this mission. Um, you know, you look at Deborah Brandt's work on sponsors of literacy. You look at all the whole socio-cultural moves. Much of that was around providing education to a wide citizenship, not not to just to the elite, and um, and never was writing, writing always kind of veered towards the sociocultural, veered towards understanding the social forces that were at play in conjunction with um, acquiring um, high-level literate practices and how, how sometimes um, social attitudes mattered. And, um, it wasn't just a cognitive thing that was going on, although that was important as well. So, so I think that the writing SIG has always been playing this role and um, is on a path to continue to play this role because we've actually developed a lot of ways to think about writing in, in a greater social context. And, and this push towards democratization has been there for quite a while. So I think we're, we, we may be further along than many other fields uh, within education. Yeah, and it, and it sounds like that work has always sort of been at the heart and has manifested in, in both of your sort of larger yeah. uh, understandings of research and trajectory. 
Dr. Hall, we've, we've done a lot of looking back, but I want to close by looking forward and have you respond to that question as well. What new pathways for research would you like to see the writing and literacy SIG foster as they work to strengthen the democratic idea of public education? Uh, well, first let me um, second Sarah's account of, of the history of um, writing's role in providing greater access and participating in, in the, the democratic ideal. And as she said, that's the reason so many of us were interested in writing at the outset. Uh, when we were, when the SIG was first forming and indeed when we were coming of age as scholars, we saw it in the spirit of Mina Shaughnessy as uh, an opportunity to um, bring, bring more people into opportunity. Um, and we also saw it as an opportunity to keep writing from being um, a barrier. Um, there was a lot of talk at the time of, of how um, writing, um, and especially college writing, uh, was a gatekeeper uh, that really served to keep people out, um, to keep out from the academy um, more diverse populations. A lot of the work in writing and work that was celebrated in the SIG had to do with demystifying writing, um, making it possible for people to master the conventions of writing, um, and, and therefore, to bring more people to know and be able to wield um, the power of writing. So when I think about um, when I think about the future of writing research, um, I think about it still in those terms, but with a magnification of tools. Um, if there was ever a time to be excited about writing research, it is now. The turn in literacy studies broadly has been, I think, a turn to composing. It's been a turn to a movement to um, imagining and using all kinds of tools and modes and formats and platforms for creating meaning. So with this panoply of, of different forms and tools and platforms, and with this emerging, actually a, a real sense now of a range of audiences, both distant audiences and, and near audiences, um, and the sense that everyone um, can participate in, and, and many, many people do participate in, all kinds of forms of writing, then the question for the SIG and, and for research is, I think, how to exploit all of these opportunities um, so that the, the, the democratic ideal associated with writing um, can, can be realized. And I think an important part of what teachers do in this, in this project um, is to bring a critical edge to how the new tools and forms of writing um, are imagined and, and used in classrooms. So from my point of view, it's, um, you know, it's, we're living in a kind of, of renaissance for writing right now. 
um, perhaps I think mm, one of the most exciting times since those early years when we were all thrilled to be part of the SIG and this new move in in educational research toward thinking about sociocultural perspectives on education. For writing right now, um, the, the possibilities um, from my optimistic point of view um, seem pretty um, endless. Uh, and we are experiencing this uh, again, a renaissance um, where we can imagine composing um, for more and more people through more and more forms. So the wonderful opportunity that researchers have now is to is to figure out um, how to take all this energy forward in um, in terms of making sure that issues of access and practice and critical applications of, of tools are realized. That does sound like an exciting feature. Uh, very pleased to be part of it. <laughs> um, I, before we close, I just wanted to give each of you a chance if there's anything else that has come to mind um, as we've discussed. Bring that up now. Um, I guess the one thing that I, I think of in, in terms of the future is that, um, you know, there Schools are in uh, a really complicated space right now with all kinds of different uh, uh, kinds of schools being formed and um, uh, lots of experimentation and <clears throat> a sense by some that the public schools are in trouble and are failing. And in, in my research, um, the kinds of support that good teachers in schools can give is absolutely critical to the kinds of life chances that kids have. And um, I think we need to focus some attention on supporting teachers and teacher education and involving teachers as part of the process of research so that they truly understand the kinds of opportunities that are available and that we can all work together towards, uh, towards the public good. The other thing is that um, both of us are at Berkeley, and that's the kind of birthplace of the National Writing Project. So we've really been influenced a lot by the work of the Writing Project and um, the kind of ongoing professionalization of teachers that happens through the Writing Project and um, the importance of a kind of collaboration between it's emphasized for us, for me anyway, the, the importance of collaboration between researchers and practitioners. So um, we'd like to thank Dr. Friedman and Dr. Hull for their time and insights today in our inaugural podcast. Now we'd encourage you to join on the conversation. You can follow the Writing and Literacy SIG on Twitter at WritingLit or on Facebook in the AERA Writing and Literacy SIG group. We'll be continuing this conversation in both spaces by using the hashtag writing lit chat. Thanks again.